this morning. So glad you guys are here today. Happy New Year to y'all. Yeah, thank you. The first service was pretty thin, so you guys obviously stayed up last night and chose to come to the second service. Well done. Hey, we're going to be in, um, for two weeks, we're going to be focusing on some spiritual disciplines. And we always start the new year at the Vine this way. Um, spiritual disciplines, if you're not familiar with the kind of Christian terminology, that just means ways that you can help yourself grow in your relationship with God. And so discipline sometimes is a word that gets a bad connotation, but that's not what this is about. It's really, really good. It's just structures that I implement in my life to help me grow in my joy in God and glorify Him through my life. So today we're going to be focusing on that with kind of some foundational principles of what it means to walk with God as we think about kicking off a new year. Uh, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to John chapter 15. We're going to be looking at one verse in particular today. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's cool. John is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 15. So I've got four kids, and they know how to ask me certain things to kind of get what they want. So, for example, they might come up to me and say, hey, you should take mom on a date tonight. Because they know that I like to take my wife on dates. But that's not really what they want. They're not really predisposed to really be passionate about, at this stage in their development, about marital health between Kim and, and I. Uh, I'd love to say that was the case. Sadly, it's probably not. What they really want is the digital babysitter. Any parents with me on that? So we have Mrs. Netflix in our house. And she's very cheap. The hourly charge is very low. It's actually like nine bucks a month. And so we've got... We've got the digital babysitter, and we limit their screen time. So when we go off on a date now, they're old enough to stay home. And so, hey, why don't you guys go out, get out of here, so we can have some screen time. Um, and so they're asking me such as, as they can get, so, such that they can get what they want, right? Now, that's kind of a silly example, but how much better if it's not quite as manipulative, uh, but rather their desires are actually my desires. See, in this case, their desires are screen time. I don't have quite the same desire for screen time as they do in terms of what I want to give them. So our desires are not quite synonymous there. You with me? But what if they were? What if they were? Like, what if they said, you know, hey, Dad, uh, man, can we read the Bible before bed tonight? Like, yeah, I love, I, I would love that. That's my desire, too. So if that's your desire, that's my desire, I, I can easily grant that request. Hey, Dad, can, can we give some money to, uh, to, to CareNet, the Crisis Pregnancy Center here in town, or to, just to some needy people in town? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. I want us to be generous as a family. You want that? I want that? Yeah, I, I will easily grant that request. Hey, Dad, can, can we invite some friends from the neighborhood over and show them hospitality? Like, yeah, I, I want us to live missionally in our neighborhood, and we need to do hospitality. Sure, that's your desire. My desire, too. Let's do it. I can grant that request. Hey, Dad, can we go to the Switchfoot concert? Yeah, we can. I want you to be exposed to great music. Uh, so let's do it. Absolutely we can. See, here's the thing. When they really know me, they know what I love, right? If you know someone, if you really know them, you know what they love. 
They, you know what they value. They know what I value. They know what I cherish, right? So as a result, they're going to know the things that I love to say yes to when they bring a request. But this knowledge doesn't just happen by accident, does it? So what does that imply? How do you, how do you gain that knowledge? This is kind of a no-brainer, but sometimes it's helpful to just really articulate it and think it through. How do they come to this knowledge of me of how to ask me things, knowing that I'm going to say yes? Knowing what I love, knowing what I cherish, knowing what I value? Well, they gain that knowledge by what? Just spending time. We spend time together. So this is just family life. We spend hours and hours together. That makes sense, right? We, we eat hundreds of dinners together. We go on long road trips together. We play together in the yard. We do family devotions together. We do chores together, on and on and on. We spend lots of time together as a family. So if you ask my kids, what does your dad love? What's he passionate about? What does he love to say yes to? Based on spending time with me, they can go, yeah, dad loves to take mommy on dates, and dad loves to read his Bible, and dad loves to pray with us, and dad loves to watch basketball, and dad loves to to study foreign language, and dad loves to do family devotions, and he loves to exercise and read to us and see us learn and play the piano, and dad loves to spend time in the shop. They know these things about me because they've got hours of observational data, right? Said in a more biblical way, they have abided in me. They've abided in me, okay? So this whole picture, this whole illustration is just a, a metaphor for how we're going to see in God's word this morning how he wants us to relate to him, especially in reference to prayer, okay? So keep this kind of illustration in the back of your mind as we move forward, and you're going to see how it fits together. Knowing God's heart leads us to asking him for the right things which he loves to say yes to. Let me say that again. Knowing God's heart, really knowing him. So knowing God's heart leads us to asking him for the right things, which he loves to say yes to. So I, I want to give you a goal for a new year, and I think it's going to help every one of us in the room grow in our relationship with God, if you have one. And if you don't have one, you can have one this morning. I want you to know how to ask God for the right things because we know, because we know him. How? Through spending time with him. I want you to know how to ask him for the right things because we know him through spending time with him. Said differently and said more simply, I want you to learn and practice praying the Bible. I want you to learn and practice praying the Bible. Now, some of you might not know what I mean by that, and we're going to get into that here right now through the text. But, but before we do that, how many of us would love to have our prayers answered in tangible, dramatic, supernatural ways, right? We all want that, right? I know I want that. And, and, I, and I long to know that when I pray, it's not just to some cold, silent, dark, cosmic silence. Like the, that there is a God, and he's actually listening He's not disinterested. He's not aloof. And here's the beautiful thing. God has promised in his word, in Jesus, that he's not aloof. And he is listening. And he loves to listen to us pray. In fact, he's commanded us to pray 
Because that's how we have a vital connection to him. So let's look at John 15, and we're going to flesh this out. And we're going to focus specifically on one verse this morning, uh, verse 7. But you guys, if you've been around the vine, you know that our rule is we never read a Bible verse in isolation. You never just read one Bible verse. You always want to know the the context. Because one Bible verse could mean anything in and of itself unless you have the the context which modifies it and informs it. All right? So we're going to look at verse 7, but we've got to know the context. Okay? So let me just read... uh, Chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus says. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So we know we got to read, we're going to focus on verse 7 here, but we got to read in the context. So what is the context telling us this whole section is about? Well, one of the best ways to do that is look for repeated words. So just scan through that text right now, real quick, and are there some repeated words that jump out to you? Just, we're all family here, so just throw it out. What, what do you see as a repeated word? What's that? Vine? Yep. What else? Abide? Yep. Anything else? Joy? fruit. Yeah, so I did the math this week, and, and 10 times in 11 verses, we have the word abide. Six times in 11 verses, uh, we have the word fruit. So as we're, as we're going to kind of bore down on verse 7, we got to know what's the main context here. So the main context is probably to safe to say that, that one of the main points here is that Jesus wants his followers to remain vitally connected to him. With me? That's just a way to say abide. Jesus wants his followers to be vitally connected with him. Because he said it 10 times in 11 verses. We're going to abide in him. Vitally connected. Okay? And so why are we going to be vitally connected? So that we can have lives that produce something. God-glorifying, joy-inspiring good deeds. Your life is going to look like something. And that's just another way to say what? Fruit. So we're going to be vitally connected to him so we can have fruitful lives. That's kind of what this whole section is about. And in the middle of this section, we find verse 7. It's kind of a subset of that. If you're going to glorify God with a beautiful life, after having a, a abode, is that the past tense of abide? 
abided? I don't know. I, we don't use abide that much in the English language. After having abided, I'll, let's go with abided. Uh, after having abided in him, what's that going to look like? What's that going to look like? Well, it's going to look like a certain type of praying. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. Verse 7, kind of praying. And we're, we're going to be praying the Bible. So look at verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So part of what it means to bear fruit, to have a life that's beautiful, overflowing with spirit-filled good deeds and such, is to have a life that produces things for God's glory such that we're going to pray and see God answer those prayers. See that? You're going to ask after having abided in Jesus. We're going to be praying people. So that's no big shocker for someone who's hung out with Christians for a while or knows anything about Christianity. We're praying people. But what Jesus is saying here, it's not just praying in the abstract. It's a certain type of praying, right, that's powerful and effective. It will be done for you. See that in the text? It's powerful and effective and brings answers in God's time. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look at the order. The order is very intentional. See, abiding precedes asking. See that? Abiding precedes asking. It's very important. I'm going to come back to that. Now, there's a real obvious connection, just in the human experience of what it means to be a human, um, there's a real obvious connection between wanting and asking, so much so that we don't even think about it. But let's just be explicit about it this morning, because I think it'll help us kind of drill down into this. So if you go out to eat, and you don't want to eat with your hands, you're going to ask for some silverware, right? So I don't want to, I want to eat with silverware, so I'm going to ask for some silverware, right? No-brainer. Uh, it's, a, it's a foot of snow in the driveway. I don't want to shovel that by myself, so I want some help with that. So I'm going to ask for it. Kids, let's help shovel the driveway. Um, I don't have a job. I want a job so I can pay my bills, so I'm going to ask for it. So wanting precedes asking, right? That's just how we live our lives. We want something, we ask for it. But that's not, it's not that simple in terms of what Jesus is getting at here when it comes to our prayer life and praying the Bible. It's not just wanting that precedes asking. What is it? It's abiding that precedes asking. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, he wants to take us deeper into the level of our motives and, and, and deeper into the level of what do we want and why do we want it. See, he seems to be saying that power in prayer is not so much a simple matter of wanting than asking. Rather, it's this, having God so shape our wants, so shape our desires, that everything we want and desire is what God wants to give us already. So the asking and the giving is very simple. Remember my opening illustration. Dad, can we, can we do family devotions tonight? Well, that's what I want already. And if you want that, I want that, well, yeah, of course I'm going to grant that. See, their desires have become my desires. Dad, can we be generous with our money? Yeah, that's what I want already. 
You want that too? My desires will become your desires? Well, of course I'll grant that. That's what Jesus is saying here. They know how to ask me for things because they know me, how? From spending time with me. Let me say that again. They know how to ask me for things, how? Because they know me from spending time with me. They've abided in me. So if our praying is just, I want, thus I ask, what happens when our wants are not God's wants? What happens when we ask for things that he doesn't want to give us? What happens when the things we desire are not the things that God desires? Will that lead to answered prayer? It doesn't, does it? So how do we pray then in a way that's really powerful? The verse tells us if God shapes our desires and our wants through abiding. See that twice there in verse 7. If, if God shapes our desires and our wants, then that is how our praying becomes powerful and effective and answered. So why am I saying pray Bible? Pray Bible. Well, we're we're going to hit that right now. Let's look at verse 7 again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So look at the conditional structure here. That's kind of a fancy way of just saying if this, then this. So see it there in the text? If, if what? If you abide. Not if you just ask for whatever you want, but if you abide in me. So you're not thinking first about what are all the things that I want. My primary focus is am I abiding in Jesus? He doesn't say if you just ask for some stuff, well, then I'll give it to you. That's not what the verse says, is it? If you're just aware of all your desires and wants, no matter what they are, just ask for those and you'll have them. That's not what it says. It's abiding first, right? If you abide in me, and, and what does it mean to abide in him? And my words abide in you. So if you're consumed with Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you spend time with Jesus, if you know his heart, if you know his loves, if you know his will, if you know his passion, if you know his suffering, if you know his teaching, if you know his tears, if you dig deep into that relationship with Jesus and ask away, in fact, ask for whatever you wish. That's pretty bold. Ask for whatever you wish, it says. Right? He loves to see his wishes come to pass because your wishes are his wishes through abiding. You with me? So what's that got to do with praying Bible? Well, how do we get to know Jesus? How do we get to know what he's all about? And see, this is where my illustration with the kids breaks down because I live with my kids physically. They can hug me. You know, we're in proximity to each other. We can wrestle. So physically, I'm physically present with them. Jesus is no longer physically uh, present with us. So if, if someone's not physically present with you, is it still possible to really get to know them? Is it really possible to abide in them? Like, is Jesus, like, what's Jesus expect of us here? Well, think about it like this. Let's say you were expected to write a term paper or a PhD dissertation or something on Thomas Jefferson. He's not here with us physically anymore, right? So how would you do that? How would you abide in Thomas Jefferson such that you could get an A on your paper? A, a on your PhD dissertation. Well, you read a lot about him. He wrote a lot of things. And there's probably a lot of people that knew him that wrote things down about him. So you would just soak 
and, and abide in all of that material. You would abide in his words. See that? You would read his words. So see the connection between prayer and Bible reading as it relates to verse 7? If you want to ask whatever you wish, like it says here, and know that it will be granted, we have to ask in accordance with the desires of Jesus. And how do we know those desires? It's right here. And my words abide in you. This is Jesus' word. This whole book is about Jesus from beginning to end. It's the story of God's redemption of all of creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The whole thing points to that. And we've got lots of people. John right here wrote down what we're reading now. And there's Luke, and there's Matthew, and there's Mark. And they were with him physically, and they wrote stuff down. So just like with Thomas Jefferson, we got to do the same thing with Jesus, right? So we get to know him. Where, 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 where my heartbeat is his heartbeat. Where my thoughts are his thoughts. My knee-jerk reaction in a situation is just a Jesus reaction. Because I soak in his word, and God always works by his spirit through his word. So I know that as I'm in that, and I'm praying that, God is working through his spirit to make me more and more like Jesus. And as I'm more and more like him through abiding, man, the asking is transformed to be his desires. And he loves to grant his desires. You with me? So we soak in Jesus through the word. We soak in the Bible day after day after day. And day after day after day, your desires begin to shift from the sinful, selfish desires to beautiful, selfless desires. That's the essence of Jesus' likeness, selflessness. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So how do we do this? How do we learn to pray Bible? How do we learn to abide in him such that our asking will be done? It might not be done in our timing. It might not be done exactly how we want it to be done. But the promise is here it will be done somehow, some way. We may not have it all figured out, but that's the promise. So here's what this can look like. Praying Bible, praying Bible, praying Bible. Here's what I mean. So the first assumption is that we're going to read the Bible, right? Like um, Jesus assumed that there's no spiritual growth apart from the Word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. So if I'm going to be fed, i got to be in this book. If you're not in this book, the, the assumption from this book is that it will be spiritually anemic, okay? And nobody wants that. Why would you want that, right? And God says, man, I'm here for you. You don't have to walk around weak. You can have power through the Spirit. It's not going to be perfect, but it can be powerful, okay? And so we're going to be in the Bible. And so um, we're, not, we're probably never going to be in the Bible as much as we should be. This is not a guilt trip. We'll talk about that in a second. But we're, we're going to be in the Bible. And, and I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to read tomorrow morning. Let's say I'm going to read in, in, in Matthew chapter 28. And I'm reading along, and so how do we pray Bible? I'm reading along, and I read Matthew 18. Sorry, Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Wow, that's a big statement. All authority? Okay. This is Jesus saying. So in, in light of that, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Wow, okay. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. There's a thousand ways you could pray this verse. But it may be as simple as this. Lord, there's a lot of authorities in this world. Help me to believe that you have all authority. Because I see competing authorities, and my heart wants to maybe lean towards those authorities, trust those authorities. Lord, help me just believe that you have all authority. Amen. It could be as simple as that. It could be, you say that I'm supposed to make disciples here, that the church, we're supposed to do this together. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Would you help me? Would you help me? Lord, would you help me believe that you're with me? It says, it says here that I'm with you always to the end of the age. It wouldn't necessarily have to be a help prayer. It could be just a praise prayer. Like, Lord, thank you. I praise you that you've given me this promise. That no matter where I go, as I seek to make disciples and teach and just help people grow in their faith, you, you promise to be with me. God, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Amen. I'm reading through Matthew 6. And I'm, I get up in the morning, and I'm reading my Bible, and I got Matthew 6.33, and it says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how do we pray Bible? Man, I just might go, Lord, um, there's a lot of things competing for my allegiance, but I want to seek you first. And I know that I'm not, because... I got a boss that's breathing down my neck, and I want his approval, and I got issues with my parents, and they're kind of making me crazy, and Lord, I, I, would you just help me not worry about them? Um, Lord, I, I, my, my kids, they're a challenge, and there's some things that I, I can't figure out with parenting. Um, all these things, they're trying to, to be first in my attention, but Lord, would you make you first? I want to seek you first. Lord, help me do that. Amen. Simple as that. And this is God's word. That's abiding in him. And these are his desires for us. So it was tend to follow that he loves to grant that request, right? Just like me and my kids. So, so it's just, it may be as simple as pray what you read. Pray what you read. And there's a thousand creative ways to do that. And just ask the Spirit to help you. Lord, would you help me learn how to do this? I want my knee jerk to be prayer going with my Bible reading, not just Bible reading for the sake of information. No, it's Bible reading for the sake of transformation. Well, how's that going to happen? Probably going to happen as you ask God to enter in with you in that. Makes sense. So this is a, a profoundly encouraging promise, I think, that God loves to answer our prayers and he loves to answer prayers that are in accordance with who he is and his desires. And so we get our desires shaped by soaking with him in this word. So it may be as simple as, what's the plan for intake? What's the plan for Bible reading? And a lot of times we can get intimidated, and it's like, I got to have a one-year Bible plan, and that's great, and I'm going to send you some stuff on Slack that's going to help you do that. Um, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be overwhelming. It could be as simple as a chapter a day. It could be as simple as maybe five verses. Just pick a gospel. Like I encourage you not to start with Genesis and try to plow through, okay? There's, there's, there's maybe some ways that will keep you encouraged along the, along the way um, that are different from that. Maybe start with a gospel and just getting to know Jesus, abiding in his words. 
Maybe it's five verses a day. I'm just going to say a simple prayer. So what's the plan, though? We have to have a plan and choose to make it a priority, right? See, many people say that they want to feel the power of God in their life. And, and Jesus has given us just a promise for how to do that. But if we say we want the power without doing what Jesus says, it's like, I want to go this way, but I'm actually going this way. And then I wonder when I don't wind up in the right destination. Because Jesus has told us, if you want to go this way, well, then here's how you go this way. Right? So we have to be abiding in him, in his word. And so what's the plan? What's the plan for doing that this year? What's the plan for that? Do we have a plan to make it a priority? I just want to ask you that. I mean, maybe it could be not just individual. Maybe we could do this in community. Because a lot of times in community, there's a structure that you pose upon yourself that can really helpfully facilitate this. Like, take someone in your city group family and just say, hey, we're going to pick the Gospel of John and read half a chapter a day. And I'm going to send you a text and say, I picked this verse and I'm praying this verse for you. And then someone could do the same for you. It could be as simple as maybe doing that with your spouse if you're married. If you're single, maybe you have a roommate and doing it with a roommate. Um, maybe if, if you have a family, I'd encourage dads to lead out in this. Like pick a verse from your Bible reading. And like maybe I read Proverbs 12, 1, um, a harsh word stirs up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. Uh, no, I reverse that. A uh, gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Um, and I'm taking that to the dinner table. I read that this morning. Hey, guys, check it out. I read this this morning. Um, the Bible says that if we speak harshly to each other, it's just going to stir up anger. But if we speak gently to each other, um, it's going to turn away a lot of that wrath that can come in our family. Hey, let's pray about that verse right now. Lord, help us to be gentle with one another in our words. Amen. Boom. Family devos. There you go. Okay? It can be as simple as that. Right? Maybe it's this, like we all live our lives with, most of us, not all of us, but most of us live our lives with our face on a phone, right? And we're like phone zombies. Like, where's my phone? Where's my phone, right? All about my phone. More likes, Instagram, Snapchat, I'm all about it. Well, maybe, maybe that's not all bad. Maybe we need to detox from that a little bit, just a little plug for the new year. But hey, if you're going to have your face in your phone, why not put a Bible verse there, first and foremost? And you could just take a verse from whatever you're reading that morning or night or whatever, and you could write it on a piece of paper, take a screenshot, save it on your, on your um, home screen. And so every time I look at that phone, there's that verse. I'm, I'm just going to commit to, man, I'm just going to say a quick prayer about that verse. Lord, help me to make disciples today. Boom. Pick it up. What's the weather tomorrow? Oh, I'm going to pray about making disciples. And then look it up. Uh, my wife texted me. Oh, but I'm going to pray that Lord help her make disciples or whatever, you know. So, but man, that, what that implies is just some intentionality to make it a priority, and, and the blessing flows. So have a plan. For the sake of your blessing, I, wanna, I want you to make it a priority, okay? But here's the good news. And, and some of us that can lend, uh, our hearts lean towards being maybe more performance-oriented or believing that God loves us more based on our performance— um, here's the good news. God does not love you more based on your performance. God does not love you based on um, your Bible reading or the amount of it. God loves you based on what Jesus did in space, time, and history to lay down his life for all those who would come to him in repentance and faith and receive 
salvation as a gift, right? You simply receive a gift. You don't perform and earn a gift, okay? My kids were getting gifts on Christmas morning regardless of whether they were naughty or nice. Santa has bad theology, okay? So you simply receive a gift irrespective of your behavior. And then once you receive the gift and you see how marvelous the gift is, you start to fall in love with the gift giver. And when you fall in love with the gift giver, what happens? You actually want to start spending time with him because you know how, how good that gift is. So all of this this morning is not about performance. Like, you better go home and get after it or else. That's not Christianity. Christianity is understand the gift that God has given us in the gospel and meditate on that right there and then let your heart explode in love for the gift giver because his gift is so amazing. But we don't glorify the gift itself. We glorify the giver. The giver gets the glory. God is the goal. We want to abide in him and love him, and we say thank you for the gift. But man, because of this gift, I just want to know you more. I want to be with you more. I want to abide in you more. And that's all it's about this morning, is learning to abide in him and having our desires aligned with him as we abide in him. And then our praying becomes really powerful. And I think when we do that together as a community, man, we're going to see our prayers answered. You're going to show up to city group and go, this is what the Lord did this week. And it, may, it might not be in your timing. It might not be what you expected, but we're going to have testimonies. And as we do, commit to doing this together, we all grow encouraged as we see the Spirit alive in us, and, and it solidifies us and brings us together. And man, that, that's church. That's what makes this thing beautiful, okay? So let's do this together because the giver is so great. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, um, that you promised to do in our lives through your word. Um, We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. And we trust you to do that by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.